Hey, what is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast. You're probably not going to get to this on New Year's Eve, but we are recording this on New Year's Eve, so it is our last episode of 2021, and we are the dynamic duo known as Downey and Martez. I am Trey Downey. He is the one, the only, the Lynn Martez, a year older, a year wiser. How's it going, man? My business, man. You don't have to put it out there. I could just be I could just be referring to that it's the end of 2021. That's all I could be referring to. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> let's get this rolling because um I got an agenda. And the wow. agenda includes getting this podcast done, being done with you for 2021, being done with 2021 as a whole. Because Lord knows it wasn't all that well. Um, not not from a sports standpoint, from a society standpoint. Looking forward to 2022. For all of us to have a better year in 2022. I think we were saying the same thing at the end of 2022. So uh, hopefully 2022 isn't that meme that's out there where it's 2020 T-O-O. So hopefully we really are moving on to something uh, bigger and better. By the way, you can follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. And you can follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. We are headed into week 17, but it is not the final week of the regular season. The Bucks will play the Jets this weekend before closing out against Carolina. But before we do that, let's rewind for a moment to last week's game against the Carolina Panthers. And there was never a doubt. The Bucks get back on track after that horrible Sunday night football loss, 9-0 to the New Orleans Saints. They absolutely dominate Carolina in every facet of the game. Having Antonio Brown back was huge for the Buccaneers. I believe he had seven catches just in the first half. And then uh, you want to talk about the defense. The defense got to Cam Newton. They got to Sam Darnold. It didn't matter who was at quarterback for Carolina. The Bucs defense was getting to them. And Ronald Jones, solid in the game. But to me, kind of maybe one of the more underlooked things and underlooked things possibly moving forward out of this game was the performance of a former Lynn Martez training camp favorite, Cyril Grayson. He was really, really, really good in that game. And I want to ask you this coming out of this game, like look at the way Grayson performed versus the way that Scotty Miller was used and versus the way that Tyler Johnson was used. If the Bucs are getting some of these Bucks, Mike Evans is already off of the COVID list. He's questionable for this week, this weekend's game. But is this a scenario where Cyril Grayson has kind of played his way into a role on this football team in the playoffs, maybe even more than a Miller or a Johnson, especially in the situation that the Bucs are in, where you've got Evans, you've got Brown, but Chris Godwin out for the season. Yeah, first things first. Um, I pop a freak, all the honeys. No, first things first. Um, I don't know that I actually said anything about Cyril Grayson being, being one of my favorites when it came to you, you. You brought him up. You brought him up multiple times. So 
I was getting you. I may have given him some props, but I don't know my favorites or whatever. Uh, I've also watched the ball. No Tanner Hudson. I've always watched. I've also (laughs) watched the ball go smack dab against his face mask on some plays too. Where he get his hands up when he get his hands up in time, and and uh, the goat number twelve, Tom Brady's looking around like, my man, catch the football. But besides that, to answer your question in regards to the wide receivers is, is concerned, look. It's a lot like the running backs when it came to having Fournette and Ronald Jones available to you. When it comes to having the receivers, whether it be Johnson, Tyler Johnson, whether it be Scotty Miller or Cyril Grayson, bottom line is who's hot? Who's making the plays? That's where you're going. Are we thinking in terms of Grayson pushing those guys maybe and and getting ahead of those guys? Maybe, but I wouldn't think in those terms. I would think in terms of Okay, um, Scotty Miller needs to make needs to make some of those those dirty plays that Bruce Arians has always always talked about. It's great to be able to run down the field and run past people, but eventually the league catches up and says, "Okay, we're not going to let you run past us. What else are you going to do?" And that's when Scotty Miller has to make those dirty plays that Bruce Arians has talked about, whether it be whether it be outs, quick outs, coming across the middle. Again, being beating a guy other than just running past the guy. That's one thing. Another thing is, as far as Tyler Johnson's concerned, is look, we won about a year ago where he played in that Redskins game, and that was the same game that Chris Godwin put another dollar in the in the in the WFT uh jar. There's oh yeah, for this yeah my bad. Oh, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, I'm gonna be broke putting a dollar in that uh, that WFT jar. Anyway, playoffs last year against the Washington football team. In that same game where Chris Godwin had the dropsies, yep. Tyler Johnson made some big third down catches. Again, hot hand. Who's hot? Who's making the plays? That's what it's about when it comes to the wide receivers beyond Chris Godwin, who's out for the rest of the year, and Mike Evans, who should be back before the year is over, and A.B., who's battling the ankle injury but again it's about who's going to make the plays that are making that are making successful and who tom has confidence in at that time like i said it's great to run past people but you better be able to do something else and grayson falls in that category too because grayson real fast and he'll run past you but dude what else can you bring to this football team because at some point teams will take away your ability to run past them. And you got to do something else to add to this football team and to this offense. Not on the offensive side, but on special teams and on the sideline, there was a Justin Watson sighting uh, this past weekend as he was finally uh, activated off IR. I'm going to ask you, th- do the Bucks? Boy. That, yeah, that, I know, yeah, I know, I know, I uh, know. I was just, because he was a huge, st- I don't want to say a huge, I don't want to say, a, I don't want to say a huge storyline, but we talked about, a lot in his chances of him making the football team throughout the storyline for like three years. Okay. But I'm going to ask you this. Do the bucks carry six, six receivers, six active receivers in the playoffs. If Darden comes off of the Darden coming off of the COVID list and you've got Evans, a B hundred percent, they, they are going to be out there. And then you've got, you've got Miller, Johnson, Grayson, Darden are the bucks having six active receivers. No, here's, here's the thing. It's about what can you bring to this football team? And I mentioned the offense, but it's also about the special teams. And look, Darden has, has, is a rookie, first of all. 
and he's learning how to play in this league, not just on a special teams, but also the ability to be able to be plugged in like he was in that Sunday night game. Yeah, I'm going back to it, that Sunday night game, and to be able to make plays. Unfortunately, you're pressed at the service. All of a sudden, you look up, it's a Sunday night football game. This team is down, trying to win a football game, and you didn't make any plays, and Darden didn't make any plays, and he didn't look good out there. So if you look at the other five guys that you mentioned before him, in all likelihood, depending on where they are health-wise in other places, you may not carry six, and the odd man out is him because all he's going to do for you, he's not going to push any of those other five guys out of the way, especially if Grayson is making plays. What is he going to do? Just return punts? And that's not going to work. So you need, you need to add some value to the football team other than just, oh, I'm, I'm going to wave my hand up on fourth down and signal fair catch. That ain't happening. That's not going to get you on this roster when it comes to the playoffs. In Tom Brady and Bruce Arians' mind, what is the image that sticks with them longer from this past Sunday? Keyshawn Vaughn's long touchdown run or that drop where he was screaming expletives and smacking himself in the face towards the end of the game? (laughs) Well, I, I don't know about Bruce, but I can tell you when it comes to the quarterback, it's the drop because they're at a position now, no Gio Bernard, and they have to have that third down back. And as much as I plead, plead for it to be number 27, Ronald Jones, obviously, based off of Sunday, you know what they're telling you? He ain't it. Keyshawn is going to be the third down back unless they decide, okay, we've seen enough of his drops, and they put Ronald Jones out there. Because honestly, whether it's 21 or whether it's 27, if the result's the same, what's it matter? Both guys are going to drop balls. I will say this much. Do they get desperate enough to put Le'Veon in there other than garbage time? Number two might be out there. And here's the thing about number two that helps his case when it comes to the other two guys. The other two guys – they don't protect the quarterback on third down. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell, an experienced running back, you know what he'll do? He will pick up the blitz. He he should be experienced enough to know, even before Tom says, that's the guy you block, Le'Veon should be smart enough, again, been in this league long enough to know, okay, that's the guy I'm going to get. That's the, un- that's the unblocked guy. That's my guy. That's who I'm going to get. But Tom usually points him out anyway. But the problem is 21 or 27, whether Tom points him out or not, they don't get to him in time. And you can't risk 12 getting hurt because 21 or 27 haven't adapted to blocking in the NFL yet. Anything else stick out from you for this from this past weekend's game before we move on to quickly previewing uh, the first game of 2022 against the New York Jets? I mean, in the end, they beat up a they beat up a bad football team. I mean, let's face it, the Panthers offensively are worst team in the NFL when it comes to offense. That I mean, that that's that's the truth. Offensive line is so bad. They they have Everything to invest. They have to somebody not- told Robbie Anderson too, by the way, when you're down by 30 points or when you're down by 26 oh, yeah. points, yeah, and you're on the other team's sideline and you and you're pointing first down, dude. I mean, you're not this isn't tennis, this isn't golf. You, you, you're, you're playing you're playing a sport that entails 10 other guys 
on just that play, let alone your defense sucks and your special teams ain't very good either. It's a bad football team. And the chance of, you know, fire rule and all that kind of stuff, I ain't a good look where you live, brother. Um, so, <laughs> but I mean, as far do you as see what- the, do you see the report that came out today where he in a team meeting told the team, he's like, I could go get the LSU or USC job and make more money than I am here, but I want to be here with you guys. What is the thing? He can't get those jobs. You want to know why? Cause they're, they're filled now. And yep. not only that, but he's not doing his coaching reputation a whole lot of good. Granted, granted, I was in <laughs> I was in a very special place, 305, and I was in that presser when a certain Miami Dolphins head coach, okay, who had just gone 6-10, and 10, leaves the 305 to take the Alabama job in Tuscaloosa. The difference is Alabama was reeling. And that's the thing that people don't talk about when it comes to college football. I, don't, I, know, we're, I know we're doing a Bucks podcast, but understand this when it comes to Coaching is concerned, and that aspect of what happened back then, that football team, the Crimson Tide, were looking for someone to save Dude, their program. For, till Saban got there, for the majority of my football watching and football loving lifetime, Alabama was not good. Correct. They were not. They were not Fred Downey's, your daddy's Alabama Crimson Tide. They stunk it. I mean, they, they really did. They they really did. They were they were mineral path for the SEC for a long time. The and Mike Shula era. That. What's that? The Mike Shula era. The Shula era, which is yeah. which is again the era that Saban took over. Again, yes, LSU. The LSU job came open because of Ed Orgeron and the things that he did out there, but the USC job. Opened up. Why? Because of their failures over the last decade since Pete Carroll has left there. We can talk about why they had their success with Pete Carroll there and all the issues they've had at at USC when Pete was there and and the plays that were there and so on and so forth. But the bottom line is, is those jobs opened up because a lot of those jobs opened up because the lack of success of those so called powerhouse college football teams. But again, back to the Panthers, they're just bad, dude. They're, they're bad, and the, Pan- and the Bucks beat up on a bad football team. They did what they were supposed to do and, and were impressive in doing it, even with the fact that they had to go next man up. That's the most important thing for me that came out of Sunday's game, next man up. If those guys go and play, whether it be Grayson, whether it be Keyshawn Vaughn, whether it be Ronald Jones, if they're going to be pressed for service and get the snaps that they're going to get, they got to be successful, and they were on Sunday. It was next man up in terms of offense this past weekend. This weekend, it's going to be a little bit on the defensive side of the ball because uh, both Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul have been ruled out for this game against the New York Jets. You'll see a lot of Joe Tryon Shoinka and Anthony Nelson probably in those outside linebacker positions. Uh, you saw Nelson Dave. last week because he yeah, killed it for JPP. He got yeah. a sack. So – and Tryon has has been good when we've seen him this year. To me, I don't think that there's a ton to talk about in terms of this game. I think it could look very similar to what we saw against Carolina. The Jets are not a very good football team. Their roster is not in a very good place. The only thing I would say is 
sometimes you see these kind of teams late in the season, especially with a rookie quarterback and a guy that I still believe in, in, in Zach Wilson, maybe you see some kind of flashes of why the Jets drafted him so high. And, and this is a game where they, you know, give the Bucks a hell of a game. And this is something (laughs) that give that the Jets, uh, Jets fans make them optimistic for the rest of 2022. (laughs) But I don't see it. The Jets, I don't know. I don't know. They, they've still got a long way to go in terms oh. of, find, of finding uh, Zach Wilson uh, weapons. I like some of the things uh, they've done at running back. But other than that, yeah. uh, to me, this looks this looks very similar to what it, what it was last weekend. You're, you're funny because there's no there's no way there's no way that the Bucks defense should allow the Jets the ability or even even the confidence to think that they could be successful in moving the football against the Bucs. Here's the thing. The Jets ran the football for 273 yards last week, an NFL high of any game this year, but they did it against the Jags. And for some reason, the Jags didn't play eight men in a box. Well, guess what the Bucs are going to do on Sunday? They're going to play eight men in a box. You want to know why? Sunday's game may have included seven sacks by the defense, but you know who the defensive MVP was on Sunday? Jordan Whitehead. And you know what he does? The eighth man in a box. And you know what he's been doing all week? Watching film. And you know what coach has been telling him in his ear all week long? We're going to play eight men in a box. Jordan Whitehead. The Jets ran for 273 yards last week. They had Michael Carter had over 100 yards. Heck, Zach Wilson had over 90 yards rushing. And you know what Jordan Whitehead's doing, thinking? I'm going to look even better than I did last week because there is no threats outside when it comes to the Jets passing game. None. Nada. Kaput. None. Wesley Walker's not playing in this game. Al Toon's not playing in this game. Not a big Braxton Berrios guy. Oh, come on, man. Them little, <laughs> short, little, them little, them little short little routes, man, he's not getting over the top. That's why you played eight men in a box. He's not getting over the top on anybody. Not a, come on. Yeah, Barry also catches little, he'll catch his little outs, and he'll get, and he'll, you know, he'll get his targets. He'll get eight targets, 10 targets, and he'll have probably about 50 or 60 yards. You wonder why? Because Zach Wilson's averaging about five yards per completion. They ain't going over the top. And because they're not going over the top, again, 33 will be in the box making plays like he was making on Sunday. Bucks cover the 13? Heck yeah. Almost cussed. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's let's move on. Uh, Some news in terms of the Buccaneers, in terms of the Hall of Fame. I'll get to that in a second. But before we get to that, I just want to... I got an editorial. Okay, go ahead. After the game on Sunday, mm-hmm. 10 catches, 101 yards, 15 targets, number 81, Antonio Brown. Right? Back yep. on the team, active, yep. number one receiver on Sunday. Uh, depending if Mike Evans is out there on Sunday, maybe the number one again on Sunday. Post game, though, he decides to go in on the media, including. ESPN's own, a friend of ours, both of ours, yep. Jenna Lane. Jenna Lane asked a question, you know what, that everybody in that room wanted to ask. 
And she asked it professionally. She asked it with, with courtesy. She asked it every simple way that you would want to ask. And that dude went upside down. Why? Because that's what he is. Upside down AB. There was no reason for him to go in like that. None at all. If you don't want to talk about it, don't talk about it. Be, be quick about it and be, and be professional about it. The media just wants to do this. This dude wants to blame someone else for all your transgressions. We're not the one that went sideways in Pittsburgh that when they told you, don't, don't use social media live in post game, you went and used social media live in post game. The media is not the one that went sideways on an offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh and had all the issues that you had in Pittsburgh. The media is not the one that went sideways against the then Oakland Raiders and their head coach. And they got you released from there. And the media is not the one that got you cut from New England. All the, and all the other things that you did off the, off the field, whether it be fighting with furniture movers and all the other crap you did and, and, and being suspected of, of committing a sexual assault. The media didn't do that, fool. You did it. So again, stop blaming somebody else for your, for your transgressions. And that's not just A.B. because he's certainly the biggest culprit right now in 2021 as we go into 2022 but he's he's not alone unfortunately everybody else is the reason why somebody has the issues they have take take a look at yourself and realize that you control what happens around you and pay your chefs um (laughs) (laughs) i left that one out So let's talk. Let's talk about for a second. I I wonder what this guy would be talking about if he was if he was still in the booth in terms of uh, Antonio Brown. I want to address the passing of one John Madden who passed away uh, this past week. And man, to me, uh, the guy was kind of the voice of my football fandom, my childhood. John Madden was not just the not just the video game, but him in the booth with both both Pat Summerall and Al Michaels. And to me, that when you think of football broadcasters, uh, especially for people my age in their in their thirties, you think of probably you think of John Madden, and you probably think of of Chris Berman in terms of highlights and things like that. And just a huge loss for the for the football community. I haven't had a chance to go and watch the uh, All Madden documentary yet, but it kind of kind of. I don't want to say fitting, but kind of or ironic, but it, it's good that we have that to watch and look back at his impact right now. It premiered on Christmas and then John Madden passes shortly after, but man, just an absolute legend in every sense of the term uh, when it comes to, when it comes to football and, you know, people like debate, like to debate about the uh, who's going to be on the Madden cover next year. Go back old school, Madden, EA Sports, put John Madden on the cover of Madden 23. Works for me. And you know what? I'm old enough to remember when John Madden was a head coach and when they carried him off the field when when his football team beat the Minnesota Vikings. I'm old enough to remember classic playoff games where his Raiders beat the Miami Dolphins, Clarence Davis catches the ball in the end zone, a pass from Kenny Stabler. I remember all those things. And because of it, I realized that this man had an impact in so many ways. I mean, when you talk about 
someone actually changing the game. He changed the game, not only as a coach, but as you mentioned, as far as Madden's concerned, the actual EA Sports game, but as a broadcaster, let me bring this up because a lot of people don't haven't been talking about this. Maybe they have. I don't know. I haven't heard. But all this telestrator stuff, all this stuff where, where guys show you, well, Tony Romo is the greatest of telling you what's going to happen before this play. And John Madden was the guy who started all that stuff. Madden was the guy who wrote on your TV screen, okay, had a little circle and the guy go, boom, watch this play right here. He was the guy who broke it down better than anybody else when it came to being an analyst, becoming an analyst, being an analyst for NFL games. The best, hands down. And not only that, but here's the thing about John Madden, who a lot of us, as far as, as, far as analysis is concerned, can take less than it. And that is the fact that you very rarely heard teams or fans of teams say, he doesn't like our team. He talks bad about his, our team. Yep. Universally, universally. Like, you talk to Cowboys fans. Oh, Madden never talked bad about us. You talk about Niners fans. Back when the 49ers and Cowboys went at it, John didn't take sides. I'm not saying guys take sides, but the perception was that he didn't take sides. So throughout all the rivalries, the NFL going on, then Washington Redskins, the Cowboys, all those, all those teams that had the plethora of fans watching John Madden and Pat Summerall and John Madden and Matt Michaels and everyone else doing games together. No one, or I shouldn't say no one, but not a lot of folks said, hey, you know, John Madden doesn't like our team. You look at Twitter these days where I don't take Troy Aikman or you take Collinsworth or you take Tony Romo, take any of those guys and they'll be doing a game and one of those two teams in the game, their fan base, oh, he doesn't like our team. That never happened with John. And don't tell me it's because, oh, we didn't have social media back then. And trust me, there have been plenty of people <laughs> that have done games and analyzed games that we got word that fans said, oh, he doesn't like our team. Somehow, some way, we heard about it. Not with they call John. Into, call into local radio. That, oh, most definitely. That, that Not with John, day. man. John Madden was, was the stuff. And the, and the thing about it, too, is the thing that I liked about the Madden game, and granted, we're in sports radio, right? We work in sports radio, whatever it is. That has turned people, for good or bad, has turned the average fan into thinking, oh, I play Madden. Cover two. Oh, I know what that is. He's, his game gave us knowledge of what Dude. went on in games. Growing up. So much, so much of my football knowledge came th- came through that game, and especially in an era where there wasn't as many, you know, film experts on Twitter or like coaches' film as easily accessible as it is right now. Going through going through those playbooks, like examining basically the entire NFL roster, I gained so much knowledge through that football game growing up. I it's. To me, it it is so astronomically, you know, the impact of it. You you nailed it right there as far as uh, knowledge and everything in terms of that. John Madden is – go ahead. 
No, I'm just going to say, and that's not to say that, trust me, I've, I've actually had a conversation with Steve Sable, the man of NFL films, the great Steve Sable. I had him on a show I was doing back in Virginia, back in Blacksburg, back in 2007, 2008, 2008, the day Bill Walsh passed away. And I had Sable on. And I asked Sable openly, said, hey, have you ever considered coaching with all the film that you watched and, and how much knowledge you have in the game? He goes, oh, heck no. He goes, I may watch all this film. I may know all, all the ins and outs of the film, but I don't, I don't know everything. And that's the thing. See, because as much as we play Madden and, 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 and we see all the coverages and, you know, again, all of a sudden we know where the wheel route is when a running back runs it. And we didn't know that before. We know that because of Madden. But, but when you talk to people that play or coach the game, you get a little humble pie. Yep. You get some humble pie because Madden is good. Madden is great. Madden gives you some knowledge, but it doesn't give you everything. It doesn't give you everything. And I learned that again from Steve Sable, who openly told me, he goes, heck no. Because I don't know. I don't know. that I can sit down with a coach and he teaches me something every day I talk to him. So as great as it is, and, I, and, I, and again, I, I will admit to learning a lot from playing the game Madden, it gives us a leg to stand on, but it ain't both legs. <laughs> it ain't. It's for sure. And to, it, it is. So, I mean, all of your other, you know, classic sports games, some of the best ones out now, NBA 2K22, it's just the title of the sports. This is the only one other than back in the day when the PGA Tour game was named after Tiger Woods that's named after a specific voice in the game. And it's very fitting that it is John Madden because as an analyst and with the game gave so many people more knowledge of the game of football. Trey, there's no other game like it when it comes to that. I mean, you can play, you can play any soccer game. You can play FIFA. You can play any of the baseball games. You can play any of the, the NBA 2Ks. You can play all those different games, but it's not going to give you the knowledge. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's going to give you, what may happen in the game and you go out, you go out and you play the game and you may beat, you may beat the computer and you may, or you may beat somebody online, but it's not going to give you the knowledge that Madden gave you because of all the pre play stuff. You had to pick your play. Yep. Okay. You had to pick your play. You had to pick your offense. You had to pick your defense. You and you decide. could ask Madden if you wanted to. And yeah. Ask Madden. And you had to decide whether or not you were going to go for two. All right. You had to decide whether or not you were going to punt every time. Okay. That's different than just passing the ball around in NBA 2K and hoping you can get close enough for a dunk. (laughs) It's different. It is. John Madden, NFL Hall of Famer. Finally, this year, Rondé Barber is a finalist for the NFL Hall of Fame. To me, the greatest Tampa Bay Buccaneer there's ever been. Is he finally going to get in this coming year? He better. Uh, I tweeted out yesterday after finding out the final finals, the 15 finalists, the two guys I want to see get in. And listen, I'm not telling you that the 13 other guys don't deserve to get in. I'm just telling you the two guys that I want to see get, see get in, one buck, and that's Rondé Barber, and a dolphin, Zach Thomas. Bad ass dude. 54 was a beast, man. 54 was Luke Keekley before Luke Keekley. And guess yeah. what? 
Luke Keekley at some point is going to go in the Hall of Fame. That's why Zach belongs in there. One of the one of the smartest linebackers to play this football game. Don't give me a, don't talk to me about team success. That dude was a baller, and I watched him when I covered the Dolphins. And and not only was he one of the best guys to cover in that locker room, he was the guy that brought it every Sunday. Didn't miss games. Just I mean, and then not only that, the dude was like a fifth round pick. Fifth round pick. Didn't ball out in the combine. And all of a sudden you look up and you know what? The duel's all pro every year. And when teams game plan on Sunday, you know what they did? Oh, what's 54 going to be doing on his play? That's what it was about, the Miami Dolphins. And, and again, for, dec- for a decade long, he was a beast. Sideline to sideline, leading the NFL in tackles. Granted, he had two big monsters in front of him that kind of locked up the guards <laughs> because, listen, we can talk about Devin White and Levante David all we want. Guess what? They are nothing without Sue and Vea locking up those guards so they can't get to the second level. There's a reason why White and Levante go sideline to sideline. That's because they're not being blocked by guards. And Zach was the same way. But Zach made the most of it. And again, led the league in tackles constantly, every year, every year. And when it comes to Rondé, come on, man. I mean, when it came to being a slot corner and revolutionized the league and putting up the numbers he put up from that slot corner, he's done, Trey, he's done things from that position that'll never be done again. Mm -hmm. They won't be done. And not only that, think about this. As great as Deion Sanders is, and we can talk about the, the greatest corners that ever played football. You know what they didn't like doing? <laughs> Tackling. <laughs> but yeah, you got a guy, Rondé Barber, who's got a bunch, a whole lot of sacks. Yep. That's tackling. That dude was a beast. Rondé was a beast, a baller, and so was Zach. Put those guys in. I'm completely with you on that. Uh, I know that there's a, a lot of heated debate around Devin Hester. I don't necessarily know if this is the year for Devin Hester, but to me, Devin Hester's a Hall of Famer because when I think of the Hall of Fame, I think of somebody who it, who was at some point in their career the absolute best at something, and Devin Hester is the absolute best ever when it comes to returning kicks. So to me, that is 100% a Hall of Fame. Hard to argue. I mean, if you want to put – they got a punter in, dude. No disrespect yeah. to, to Ray Guy. No disrespect, but you know what he was? He was the best at what he did. And if you ask a guy to be a punt returner or a kickoff returner and he's the best at it, you're right. There's, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to argue and say, well, he's the best at what he did all time. So he, but he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. What? I mean, you had countless guys do that job and that's the best guy and you don't want to put him in? I mean, you can talk about him not playing regular downs, but you asked him to be a punt returner and he and a kickoff returner, and he was the best to ever do it. Belongs in the Hall of Fame too. I just, I just, I wanted to talk about Rondé and Zach. No, I'm with you. The that to me, that's just going to be an interesting one to watch moving forward in Hester because you're either on. I don't think there's a lot of middle ground on that. You're either on one side or the other when it comes to Devin Hester. All right, let's talk about week 17 in the NFL and talk about some of the games that are the most interesting this weekend as the playoff 
situation starts to pan out. And to me, it's a big, big weekend in the AFC in terms of who is going to get in and in terms of playoff seeding. Three games I have circled. Chiefs at Bengals. The Bengals, if they win that game, they could really cement themselves not only as the winners of the AFC North, but a possible contender to get to the Super Bowl. Can the Dolphins continue their winning streak going to Tennessee, who is also not only competing for that first round bye in the AFC, but they're competing against a fast-surging Colts team who is trying to win that division. Who will be without their quarterback on Sunday? Yeah, and it's two teams that are competing for a playoff spot, the Colts and the Minnesota Vikings, and two unvaccinated quarterbacks Mm. both out this weekend in Carson Wentz and Kirk Cousins. And then that's the the other game that I have circled is Raiders at Colts. The Colts without Carson Wentz trying to get close to locking up a playoff spot against a Raiders team who is still fighting for their lives to try and get into the playoffs. And if you lose this one, you're probably out if you're Vegas. Those are the three games that I've got my eye on. And two, you've got to have your eye on the battle for the AFC East with the Bills at home against the Falcons who still have a chance to get in in the NFC and the Patriots trying to get right against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, yeah, get right. Please, don't get right against the Jags. Two games that kind of stick out for me in regards to Week 17, beyond the ones you mentioned. One is the Rams visiting the Ravens and going to Baltimore, and who will be quarterback for Baltimore because Lamar, this video out, of him going out to practice yesterday, not looking real good on his own wheels. There's questions about him actually playing on Sunday. It'll probably be Huntley again. And if it is, the offense loses a little bit, maybe not a lot, but they lose something with, without Lamar being 100%. And the likelihood of him being 100% at some point before the year's over is very unlikely because he's banged up. And, and, I, and I continuously say this, you rely on quarterbacks to be the focal point of your offense, running and passing. This is what you get. This is what you get caught up in. So you better have a solid backup. They got one in Baltimore. They got one in Arizona too, which is the other game that I'm <laughs> looking forward to too. Is uh, the Cardinals who got Kyler Murray back? They lost DeAndre Hopkins, but now they go to Dallas, who just put up 56 against the Washington Football Team on Sunday night. And say what you want about the Cowboys and taking some weeks off. They looked impressive on Sunday night. Really impressive. Not to mention the fact that the Cardinals, your Cardinals, have lost three straight, including one (laughs) to that that juggernaut from Michigan, (laughs) Detroit. (laughs) The Cardinals are staring a four-game losing streak dead in the eye as they go to AT&T to take on Jerry's team. Good luck with that. Well, I mean, Bucks fans should probably be a Cardinals fan going in that game because right oh, now yeah, the Cowboys are ahead of them. That's fine. Cowboys are seated ahead of them. And, <laughs> you can be, and Bucks and Bucks, Bucks fans, should, you can sit there all you want, but guess what you're not doing? Playing in the game, changing the outcome. That's going to be in that behind. And Bucks fans should also be a Baltimore fan. The other game that you mentioned on Sunday, playing against the Rams, the Bucks have 
virtually no chance of getting past the Packers in terms of, you know, getting that number one seed unless the Packers were to lose both of their their last two games. That's the only chance that the Bucs have uh, of getting up there. But the Bucs could still advance their seedings to get the the two, even up to the two seed, depending on what happens with the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Cowboys in these last two weeks of the season. Right Let now, me ask you this. Let me throw a scenario out to you, uh, <laughs> Mr. Downey, <laughs> Mr. Cardinals apologist. Mm-hmm. Um, week one of the playoffs, wild card weekend. The Bucks somehow end up, let's say, with the the three seed, and the Cardinals slide down all the way down to the six seed. Well, right now they're four and five. If this if the playoffs started okay. this weekend, they go. would play. I, well, yeah. I was I was I was giving the I was giving the Bucks a little bump up to three, yeah. and the Cardinals falling down to six because the Bucks are going to win some games while the Cardinals are going to lose on Sunday. So they're fifth right now, but they're not going to stay fifth. <laughs> I mean, what's San what's San Francisco's record though? Is it re- is it even real? Is it even possible for the they're Cardinals eight and seven. to follow? They're eight and seven. Yeah, so I mean, the Cardinals. Can I ask my question? Go ahead. Bucks being a six seed, Cardinals being a uh, Bucks being a third seed, Cardinals being a six seed. Mm-hmm. They play each other. Raymond James, Week One Wild Card Weekend. Who are you leaning towards, big tough guy? I mean, it's gonna it's gonna depend on the health of both teams, but more than likely the Bucks, especially considering it being at being at Raymond James Stadium. To me. The the bigger thing for for the Bucks is trying to get up in the seedings to where the divisional round could also be at Raymond James Stadium. Because right now, if you're the four if you're the four seed and all of the division winners win on Wild Card Weekend, you're going to Lambeau we in in a divisional right. round. Or or even if you're the three seed, you're having to go to either SoFi or to Dallas in the second round of the playoffs. So if you're the Bucs, these last two games are very important. And you're that's why I said you want to be a fan of those other teams to get up to that two seed. The last two weeks are important. It ain't a, the, the last two games, look, this team's going to finish 13-4. Let's stop playing around. They play the Jets and they play the, they play the Panthers again at Ray J. Stop I mean, it. I said they were going to okay. be 14-3 and three before that Saints stop. debacle. Dude, they allowed five field goals in the last two weeks. Why? Yeah. Because they played the worst two offenses in the league, the Saints and the Panthers. And the Jets offense is not that much better. They'll be lucky to score a touchdown on Sunday. And they play the Panthers again week 18 a week from Sunday at Ray J, a team that, again, scored two field goals last week. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucs went the last four games without allowing a touchdown. That's right, Bucs fans. I said it. And if for some reason it doesn't happen, come at me. Elmar810 on Twitter. Come at me. But here's the thing. And if, the, and if I'm right, come at me with some love, hugs and kisses, XOXO. But here's the thing. Here's the thing when it comes to, as you mentioned, going on the road in the divisional round, the following week after the wild card, and the fact that they could end up playing Dallas or Green Bay. The most important thing, beside anything else, is they got to get the horses back, dude. Because they listen, if they fill that team, and I know Mike Evans eventually probably will be back. 
but I want Leonard Fournette back. I want more than just I listen at this point. At this, David. At, at this at this standpoint, the only guy that you can definitely cross off playing that divisional round is Chris Godwin. Everybody yep. else, you're gonna need back if you think you're gonna go to Dallas or Green Bay and pull off the upset. Now I'm getting ahead of ourselves because again, they could have they could actually end up being in a two seed which yep. will put them at home for the division around if they get past the wild card weekend. But it's not, it's not what the Bucks do the last two weeks because, again, like I said, they're going to win the last two games. It's what everyone else does week 17 and 18. When I say everyone else, as you mentioned, the Rams, the Packers, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, all the teams that are either directly behind the Bucks or immediately ahead of them when it comes to seeding in the NFC. And talking about those two teams, I believe that if you're hoping that the Cowboys and uh, the Cowboys and the Rams are going to lose the game this week might be a little bit more likely, even though the last week of the season, the Cowboys go to Philly who Philly could be needing to win that game to get into the playoffs. And the Rams host the 49ers who also could need to win that game to get into the playoffs. So two tough games each for the compared to what the Bucks have, two tough games for for those two that's, football teams. That's my point. And kudos to the NFL because we can knock them for a lot of things that they don't get right. What they've gotten right when it comes to the schedule's concern is these games, as you mentioned, week 17, week 18, all divisional games. These games, well, week 18 definitely is, and they yep. matter. These teams have to win. You might think, oh, well, you know, the um, the Rams are playing the Niners. No, both those teams want to win. You know, all, again, Eagles playing the Cowboys. No, both those teams want to win. You know, it's no, it, it, it's not, it's not about the, you know, the um, Indianapolis Colts, the Jim Caldwell days, and Pey- Peyton Manning, and uh, oh, we're 14 and all, we can rest people. Uh-uh. Dim Sorgi, get out there. Nope. You got to play. You got to play because it's going to affect the way you sit in the playoffs. Definitely. And it's definitely going to be an interesting weekend. We are going to start on Sunday and it is going to be football in the year 2022. We will be back with you next week to recap what happens with the Bucks against the Jets preview another game against the Panthers. We talked about what the NFL does right. I still hate that teams play each other two times in three weeks. Got to fix that. Uh, But uh, we'll be back to talk with you of that. And then we will have all the playoff scenarios. We will know what the Bucs would need to do. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what's what's, what's the scenario? Yes. Trey Downey Downey just flexed his shoulders like he was bouncing. What are you doing? Oh, my God. It's New Year's Eve. I'm in the spirit. (laughs) Stay in your lane, man. Stay in your lane. (laughs) I showed you last week the picture of uh, nine-year-old Trey holding up the the Big Willie-style Christmas present. Like I said, stay in your lane. Let the real real hip-hop come to me, and you deal with that that bubblegum rap, Fresh Prince stuff. I got hip hop in my veins. Uh, we'll be back with you next. <laughs> we'll be back with you next week. My name is Trey, after all. We'll be back with you next week yeah, talk to, to talk Fred about, about that. Fred, what were you thinking? <laughs> to talk about all of those scenarios, who the Bucks could possibly play, where the seeding will be, all of that 
and more next week. Until then, he is Lynn Martez. Follow him on Twitter at Elmar810. I am Trey Downey. Follow me on Twitter at TD Experience and follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation and check out BucksNation.com. This has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.